Republicans' first attempt at crafting new health care legislation ended when party leaders withdrew the American Health Care Act from consideration without holding a vote in the full House of Representatives. The bill's failure to satisfy both the very conservative Republican lawmakers and the more moderate members of the House underscores just how challenging it is to translate promises on health policy into reality. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Jonathan Oberlander, a professor of social medicine and health policy and management at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Professor Oberlander has written a perspective article about what's happened with the AHCA and what Republicans might do next. Professor Oberlander, you write in your article that although presidents often want to move quickly to enact their priorities, the legislative process is typically slow and deliberate. So given that, why do you think Republicans rushed so fast to push the AHCA through the House? Just a matter of days they worked on it. That would be a great question for Speaker Paul Ryan. I'm not sure. I think they somehow believed that the impetus to repeal Obamacare was so strong in the House among conservatives that if they put a quick deadline on it, and if the president threatened, which he did, to move on from the issue if it didn't go through, that they could persuade enough of the Republican caucus for this to go through. It simply did not work out that way at all. So do you think that slowing down and allowing more time for lobbying, for debate, would have improved the bill's chances, or was this bill too fundamentally flawed to make it? Well, I think the bill does have some very serious flaws, both in a policy sense and a political sense. I think they would have been wise to negotiate with the different factions in the Republican Party and the House to see if they could build consensus or at least reach a compromise before they push this ahead. So I do think it would have improved their odds. On the other hand, the struggles they're having right now to revive this demonstrate that the differences in the Republican Party in the House, let alone the Senate, are not that easy to traverse, no matter how much time you have. And they really do have a fundamental problem, which is how do they come up with a plan that is politically viable, that can get through the Republican-controlled House, and yet will not de-insure tens of millions of Americans? I think that's a conundrum they have not solved. So initially, some Republicans said that after the withdrawal of this bill that they were going to move on to other priorities. But more recently, House members appear to be continuing to pursue health care legislation. Do you think that's actually going to result in something? I would categorize it as unlikely but not impossible. We live in an age where the unlikely becomes reality. One has to look no further than the 2016 election to understand that. They're having trouble right now. They're headed out for recess without having reached consensus, without even having a vote on this. And Vice President Pence has reportedly been heavily involved in negotiations with the House. But they've got a bit of the Goldilocks problem, which is the Republican bill is too little for conservatives in the Freedom Caucus and too much for less conservative Republicans in the Tuesday group and others. And so when they make efforts to bring in more of the Freedom Caucus, they end up alienating more people in the House in the center. They just have not been able to solve that. I don't think it's impossible that they'll get to that result, but it's going to be very difficult. We haven't seen yet what a final, final I use in a relative sense, but another version of the bill is going to be. But when that comes out and we see projections from the Congressional Budget Office on what it does to insurance and to premiums and so forth, they're going to be back with the same problems they faced before with public opinion, with the governors and the states, and with stakeholders. So you say in your article that an alternative to this sort of sweeping new legislation would be to have Congress focus on selectively repealing certain provisions of the Affordable Care Act. 
So how substantially could Congress change the Affordable Care Act by that method? Well, they could try and go after weak points in the law. For example, the Independent Payment Advisory Board, which is set up to control Medicare costs and has been controversial from the beginning. And in fact, it's a board that has no members. So it's sort of an empty vessel, but they could go after that. Potentially, they could go after items that would put Democrats in politically difficult positions. I'm thinking here of the employer mandate, which is something that Republicans absolutely oppose, and quite a few liberal health policy analysts aren't a big fan either of the way the Affordable Care Act does. So I think they can make modest gains, shall we say, in Congress this way, but really the bulk of efforts to undermine the law, if they're not able to resurrect, repeal, and replace, are going to have to come from the administration. And whatever happens in Congress, this continuing uncertainty about what's going to happen to the ACA could lead more insurers to leave state exchanges, and that could leave many Americans without options for buying subsidized coverage. How do you see insurers responding so far to the Republican activity? I think they're nervous about it. Uh, We've had insurers in the past few weeks announce further pullouts. That's not simply about the Republican activity, but also about their longer-term experiences with the ACA's marketplaces. We should qualify that when we hear people say the ACA is going to implode or they can explode it, etc., really what people are talking about are these insurance marketplaces, these places where the uninsured can go to buy coverage. They're an important part of Obamacare, but there are only about 12 million Americans, or roughly 3% of the country, are in them. Their experience varies greatly by state, and in some states they're doing very well, and other states not so much. And they've had high premiums and insurer withdrawals, and I think if there's continuing uncertainty, if we cannot resolve the fate of this repeal and replace effort, then when we get until early summer when insurers have to declare their intentions for the next year, you may see additional insurers withdraw or at the very least announce very substantial premium hikes you'll get a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy occurring on the marketplaces. And what about state governments? What do these latest developments mean for them? How are they handling this uncertainty? Well, the states are divided, of course, as is the rest of the country. I think governors and legislatures are in a bit of a different position because for the states that have expanded Medicaid, you have millions of Americans, 12 or 13 million Americans, who've gained coverage through Medicaid since the Affordable Care Act's enactment. Regardless of whether that's a Democratic-governed or Republican-governed state, that's a lot of constituents. And you saw that when Republicans proposed a rather staggering cut in Medicaid spending and imposing a new form of financing that would end the open-ended nature of federal contributions to Medicaid through block grants or per-person limits. You saw Republican governors like John Kasich of Ohio say rather loudly that you know their states could not accept this. So I think states are in this era of uncertainty, as we all are, and I think in particular, although some of them will be worried about their marketplaces, but I think a lot of them that have expanded Medicaid will be thinking about Medicaid expansion and also what is the future of Medicaid financing. Finally, how much damage can the Trump administration do to the ACA on its own without congressional action? And how does undermining the ACA benefit Republican interests in the long run? It depends if you consider their interests electoral or philosophical slash ideological. Politically, I think it's quite risky for Republicans to undermine the ACA. If you look at the polling that's come out of, for example, Kaiser Family Foundation just in the past week, large numbers of Americans say they will hold Republicans responsible if something goes wrong with the Affordable Care Act. 
in large numbers of Americans say they want to see the Trump administration do things to make the law work rather than set up for failure. So if the Trump administration is seen as taking steps to actively undermine the law, there could be a political backlash. Now, if they believe ideologically and philosophically that they're not going to worry about public opinion, that they think this is the right thing to do, then there are things they can do to undermine the law. They could withdraw the appeal of the court case that is about cost-sharing subsidies where the government reimburses insurers that, by the Affordable Care Act, have to give subsidies to low-income people buying coverage on the ACA's exchanges. Were that to happen, it would create a peculiar situation where insurers would still have to give people cost-sharing subsidies, but the government wouldn't reimburse them at all for it, and insurers would exit those marketplaces or raise premiums catastrophically. So that is an action that could explode the marketplaces. You could look at weakening the individual mandate and enforcement of the individual mandate and using other regulatory authority that the Secretary of Health and Human Services has. You could turn to the states and give states waivers to opt out of Affordable Care Act provisions. Perhaps there are things you could do in terms of enrollment. For example, the next open enrollment season for the marketplace is not advertising, not spending any money, and so forth. There's a whole range of things that the Trump administration could do to undermine the law. The question is, politically, do they want to do that, and are they willing to pay the price? Thank you, Professor Overlander.